0: What are we making it mean? And our reactions play a huge role in the unfolding of how things work out, right? And as parents, we tend to, I, I like to say the word awfulize, we tend to make things a lot worse than they need to be.
1: Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's gotta be more to life, or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever, I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our Personal Development Without the Fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right, today's review comes from to us from Uniqua. The title is 100% gold. They write, "Finding this podcast instantly changed everything for me. i have been trying to make sense of life and searching for, quote unquote, truth and answers for so long. Listening to these guys has expanded me, transformed me, and led me to so many breakthroughs like nothing before. And it's not that they have it all figured out. It's exactly because they seem to be the only people on the planet openly admit to not knowing it all. Their conversations point you in the direction of yourself, leading you deep within to find what you need. They talk about things that resonate and light you up and also things that you don't want to hear or see. It's all so, 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 so good. I'd give this podcast A million, billion stars if I could. I don't know what that number is, but I'm going to go with a billion stars if I could. Uniqua, thank you so much for the beautiful acknowledgement and the beautiful review. And thanks to all of you for always listening and being our loyal listeners. If you feel called to it, we would love for you to share with us one of these. And if you want to ever share these podcasts with a friend, please do so. Uh, The more, the merrier. Love you all. And Uniqua, reach out. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Have It All podcast. So, if you are a long-time listener, you've definitely heard this guest before. I was just telling Kim that she's in rarefied air. No one's been on this podcast three times. Uh Kim Addis, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you. And I'm honored to be one of those rare return visitors. It's yeah. an honor. Yeah.
1: Every time we get on together, the conversation just flows and it's so beautiful. So, um Kim, who runs Frame of Mind Coaching, um, had contacted me and said, "Listen, I'm transitioning and doing something around parenting." And I was like, "Half our conversations before I've been around parenting." Um, and you know that I love that topic more than anything. So I figured, why don't we get on here and, and wrap? Funny enough, um, and I definitely want you to share like your experiences, etc. But like, funny enough, as I was leading up to this, I had certain parental things come up for me. Oh, great. uh, Just over the last like week or so. So it's just, it's fantastic.
0: Throw them at me. Yeah,
1: exactly. So (laughs) well, tell people a little, if, if they hadn't heard you on here before, just give them a little background about yourself first.
0: So basically I run a coaching company called frame of mind coaching and we work with, you know, leaders, the highly driven population. We work with executives, entrepreneurs, Uh, senior leaders and organizations, and we look at how they think and how their thinking impacts their results. So normally people come to us for help in becoming better leaders or growing their businesses, you know, that sphere of work that we do. But nine out of 10 times when they come and they start working with us, they want to talk about their parenting related challenges. And so one of the things that I discovered is like the work that I do for leaders is really not that different than what we need to do for parents, except that there's this big, huge divide in people's thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, how, how do the two work together? What does that actually mean? You know, what's the what's the relationship between the two? But to me, they're really one and the same. So that's where I'm coming at it from. And I've had uh, executives who have spoken to me about kids who are, you know, like literally from three years old all the way to 25, right? So it's been very interesting same rules apply nothing changes
1: that's it yeah it's such a beautiful journey i was just talking to a friend of mine and he's a a recent dad my brother's a recent dad Uh, the journey of being a parent is a never-ending journey and i think what's really interesting is like whenever you think you have something figured out three weeks later all the rules change and you're like wait what and you're looking at your spouse like what didn't we what huh um and it's just this never-ending game of growth uh which i know we love some people probably drives them crazy but um and you have how many kids again was-
0: i have five kids yeah. um and so two of them are mine originally and three of them are stepkids but they're all mine yeah. so they all came together about 12 years ago all under one roof now they're older but They were certainly mine. So I had a lot of experience, not only as a parent, but as a step parent. And when I think about step, I think step up, step over, step aside, (laughs) step in, you know, like we're just talking about all the stepping points. And so I learned a lot uh, by, through my own experience, but also by coaching and bringing those two pieces together and understanding like, Hey, you know, our role as a parent is very different than we think it is. And once we understand our role as a parent, our job, our function, things become a lot easier. And I think that's where the greatest confusion lies is that parents don't really understand what their job is as parents.
1: So I would love to start there because that's a really uh, interesting place to, to look at. So what do you frame as the, the job of a parent?
0: Okay, so what what I see in terms of um, misunderstanding is like we really love our kids and we really want them to turn out amazing, right? Like we want them to turn out right, and so what do we do? We end up like assigning ourselves the role of their manager, yep. and we pay attention to every single thing they do, and we start getting involved, and we start literally micromanaging, and when it, they're young, it kind of sounds like this, we give them instruction, you know, go brush your teeth, go. Go eat your dinner. Are you sure you don't want one more bite? You know, like go pick up your toys. And we're constantly telling them what to do. And when they're older, it sounds more like this. Like your room is messy. Go clean up your room. Uh, Don't be mean to your brother. Don't slouch. Don't talk to me like that. Those kinds of things, right? And so we're always involved. And And when they don't behave the way we want them to, what do we do? We pull out this bag of tricks. And what's the bag of tricks? We coerce, we cajole, we convince, we correct. And then we repeat, and we remind, and we repeat, repeat, repeat. repeat. And then we reprimand because we're fed up, right? And so this is the thing we do as parents because we think our job is to make sure they turn out right, but that is not our job. Because if we think about it, why were kids actually born? They weren't born to follow all of our instructions and live up to our expectations. Like, that's not why they're here. Why are they here? They're here to explore the world and really become who they're supposed to become. Mm. And we think that we need to influence that. And what we really need to do is rather than spend so much time managing their behavior, we need to manage our own behavior when they're busy doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is growing up and figuring out the kinks along the way, right? And so that's a very different role, self-management over the management of my kids. And yeah. once you tweak that, once you understand that my role is to manage my own kind of thoughts, emotions, behaviors, reactions, when my kids are out there exploring the world and doing things that may rattle us, everything changes. Yeah. It's a game changer. Like that one piece alone.
1: Yeah. it's uh, You know why I love the parenting thing as a personal development coach is that a lot of the work that I do now internally is very similar to how, because like internally, there's what I would call different parts, you know, like trapped parts that are very, very young. And that same kind of love and acceptance that I learn am learning continuously to give to myself when a part is afraid or sad or angry or whatever is the same way that I've now been able to then be that with my kids. Um, so Fanny, my wife, one of the things when when we did the journey that was really powerful for her is she got access to how shut down she was from being around sad people, mm. and so when my daughter, who's very emotional, like she she has a huge gamut of emotions, whenever she would go into sad, it would really trigger my wife, and in the resistance of trying, like you said, you know, make her happy, stop crying, all that stuff what in essence it does is it creates more resistance. Cause now that little being is like, well, I can't feel sad. What I'm feeling is not right, et cetera. And it just creates a lot more resistance. And when my wife saw that for herself, like she was responsible for how our little daughter was showing up. It really like, there's a huge, I just see a huge shift and it didn't come from giving our daughter logic, it didn't come from reprimanding her. It didn't come from any of that stuff. It is just from doing her inner work. And then these energy beings just pick up on it and then respond differently to that energy. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: But if, if you go back to that example, you know, when Fanny saw your daughter being sad, she, she um, assigned meaning to that. Mm-hmm. And that meaning rattled her. Like it created friction for her. And totally. we're assigning meaning to every single thing our kid is doing. You know, like, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much meaning we assign to everything they do. Like I was talking to a father not that long ago and he was talking about how, you know, his daughter is a little different from all the other kids and the kids call her weird. And one day she was late for school and she came to school and they were, you know, singing a song, but she walked into the classroom and kind of stayed on the side and how bad he felt for her. I'm like, why do you feel bad for your daughter? she didn't do join in the song. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Does that mean, like she's destined for a life of horrible disaster. Okay. She didn't sing a song. Yeah. Okay. What, what are we, what are we making it mean? And our reactions play a huge role in the unfolding of how things work out. Yeah. Right. And as parents, we tend to, I, I like to say the word awfulize. We tend to make things a lot worse than they need to be.
1: So, um, when you're working with someone, because look, I mean, we work with execs too, and, and I know that what works for them at the workplace, which is this kind of, you know, they've built their success on managing people and delegating and doing all these things, is a complete disaster when they come home. And there's this feeling of almost like helplessness that they have because the tool that they're using so effectively here makes them. Super ineffective there. How does one start to create that shift?
0: Well, so it's very interesting, right? because what I have found is that actually leaders who use those management tools, those traditional management management tools, yeah, sure they reach a level of, su- of success and then they reach a ceiling. Absolutely. And so what I like to do is actually look at how they parent and readjust their framework, their mental framework for parenting, and then go and apply that framework to leadership. Totally so that they aren't micromanaging, so that they are not holding people accountable, so they are not standing over people, so, they're, you know, so that they are rather you know, taking an approach where, okay, so I have a team of people. These are my resources. How do I leverage these resources? What's great about them? How do I really bring that to the forefront? How do I shine a light and encourage the best of them to show up at this table? Like, What's my role in that? Right. Rather than I've got to manage the time they walk in in the morning, how much time they're spending on their computers, if they're, you know, on social media, like, holy smokes, that's a lot of work.
1: Yep. So how how does one make that shift right now?
0: Again, I, I think that for me, what I do with my my clients, whether we're talking about their kids or whether we're talking about their their employees, is I say, what is your goal? So if we go back to the kid discussion, what's your goal? Your goal is to have independent kids who are well-adjusted, who feel good about themselves, who are confident, who have great relationships, who do what they're passionate about, who, who grow up to be kind, giving, caring individuals who contribute to their community. I mean, I, I'm yep. going to guess most parents feel that way. Yep. But, but when we micromanage them, we actually take away their ability to become independent and make good decisions and have good judgment because we're stepping in every moment of the way. And we're actually removing their ability to build those good relationships because we're always interfering, right? We're always interfering. And, it, and it's like that interference, is like a spoke in their wheel every time. And so when, when we could show parents that their goals are X, but their behavior is leading to Y, it's kind of like, wow, what just happened? Yeah, you're right. I want them to grow up to make good decisions. And I keep getting myself involved. And that totally contradicts my desire. Not only that, I'm involved and I punish and I reprimand and I correct all day, every day. And you know what? Life provides natural consequences. You don't need to step in. (laughs) Allow life to take care of itself. And be on hand for your kid when they fall, because they're going to fall. because That's how it works. And help them get back up. But you don't have to be the one to make them fall.
1: It's going to happen, right? Yep.
0: So, and the the other part of it is, and I think this is very, very important, is that you and I know that we all have a voice in the back of our heads. And sometimes that voice is pretty harsh. Yeah. Sometimes that voice is pretty mean. And I want to say to everybody who's listening is that kids have that voice, too. It's also mean. So don't add to the mean voice. They already have it. Help them change that voice. Help them shift that voice into something more kind and loving and and caring for themselves. Don't exacerbate that voice because it's already there.
1: Yeah. There's uh, something interesting I read and then I just started like asking my kids and things like that, that the voice that we all have in our heads when we're extremely young, so like a lot, say like three, four years old, it's not actually yet programmed as our voice it still comes in as like mom voice dad voice and it's just telling us constant like little things like this is what it means to be a good boy this is what it means to be a good girl bad girl etc but it's not quite locked in as their voice that that actually happens later so following that thread every one of our voices is in essence a collaboration of what our parents judged us for so like the way that you and and a good way to see it is the way you judge others, even the way you judge your kids and the way you judge yourself, like that's what's all that's happening. So this is all going to be passed down to these kids, whether we want it or not. And one of the things that I started to see with like, you know, you talk about managing kids. We all have a manager, like internally, like we all have a manager voice in there that's directing us what to do, opining on, you know, this person should have done this, they shouldn't have done that, like they're doing all that stuff. And what I found is it all somehow ties to safety. It's like there's an innate desire for us to feel safe. And we've created these structures to make us feel safe. And so when our kids are whatever you deem is misbehaving, when our kid is like that dad, right? That in his world, that experience of walking into a classroom and not singing with everyone else would have been one of the most unsafe experiences of his life. And so he's obviously projecting that onto her and now he needs to start to manage so that she doesn't have that. And that's how he's creating safety. And uh, yeah, I agree. Like for me, it's been this balancing act of where do you let go Mm -hmm. and where do you step in? Because they're not, mine like i don't own these things they're they're souls that came here to have their own experience
0: but not many people believe that many
1: people are
0: my kids they are my kids they belong to me right it's even even a step further
1: it's not even like that they belong to me is is a given for most people it's like the way they are in the world says everything about
0: me yes so it's like
1: if my kid is doing x and I despise X because X makes me feel uncomfortable. Then I'm a bad parent, a bad human. A it kicks off all their things. Exactly. And then that's where we manage from. Right.
0: It's a reflection of the parent. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah.
1: right. So um, I want to share an, ex- an example with you. I okay. told you, like, I, I had a, a pretty interesting couple of weeks. Um, and, and before I, I say this, I think it's important to preface a lot of parents believe that they have to have the other parent on board in order for it to work. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing that it obviously I think it helps if the other person is on board. I just want to say like, that's not true. You know, one parent can can go through this work and make a fundamental shift in the energy in the home Yes, And that actually impact the other, yes. the other parent as well. So,
0: so I have a, a concept, a frame of mind concept for that. And it's mm-hmm. called, it doesn't take two to tango.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we often think like it needs to be a reciprocal experience. But when you're dancing with someone and you're doing a dance, if one person changes the steps, the dance changes. Or the other person says, "I'm not, I'm not dancing anymore. But if one person decides to change those dance steps, the dance changes, whether you like it or not. Totally. So so you have to be the one to say, well, what, what am I looking for? What do I want to create? What dance do I want to dance?
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, I've, I've been to – we went to Cuba, and their salsa is their, you know, medicine over there. Um, and they can take the most gringo American can dance girl <laughs> – And spin her around a dance floor like she's a freaking professional. And it's because that person knows what to do and and move their body. So I like that example a lot. Um, All right. So here's what's been showing up. Um, Our daughter, Aaliyah, recently has started to use violence against her brother. And Shia is generally like very, very calm. He would never hit her back. He kind of like takes it. And it's shown up. And it's just, at first it started with conversations that we would have with her and and
0: try an to understand. Be more specific. About what? Like, what, what do you mean? Use violence. She hits him? Oh, she hits she, him. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. She hits him. Um, and so at first we would like, she would like punch him, scratch him, kick him, you know, things like that. Uh, Now, granted, she's a lot smaller than him, so she can't really do a lot of damage. But like Mm -hmm. one time before we went to Florida, I mean, she scratched him like right across the face, like drew blood. Um, And so we've had conversations with her and trying to understand where it's from. Uh, We looked, obviously, we always look to us. And one of the things that we kind of started to notice is that um, there's this competitiveness for her. Like he gets more than she does so we had conversations around that um and this uh this past week they were playing here in my office they were like playing this game drawing on i have a whiteboard and he came over to erase something and she just turned around and like slapped him so hard across the face that i mean it was so loud so you know not aware initial reaction i was like get out of here go upstairs like like just Lost it. Then came back. Was with my son. Uh, just make like wanted to check on him because mm-hmm. it was really loud. Like I actually saw like a handprint on him, mm-hmm. but he he was fine. Like he hadn't. He said it didn't really hurt that bad, etc. And I did something very different for me. Um, I, I think we either autopilot parent or we're you know consciously aware parenting. And for me, I think for most people that I've spoken to, the autopilot parent is one of your parents basically comes through. Like the same way that you were parented is what comes through. And so for me, it's always been my dad. My dad was very militant, like foot down. This is how it is. Like, that's it. You know, and it was now I'm kind of dealing with like how scary that was. I didn't really realize as a Mm -hmm. kid because I would just avoid Like, I I didn't engage. So when my dad got that way, I just checked out physically, mentally, emotionally. But I'm now doing work to kind of realize, like, holy crap, I was really, really scared. So anyway, so I, she goes upstairs, I check on him. And as I'm going upstairs, I'm like, okay, I have to maintain love. Like, Like, there has to be the baseline for having this conversation gets to come from love. I'm not going to go in there and be aggressive and tell her this and tell her that I'm just going to hold a space of love. And then inside of that space, I'm going to see what happens. And rather than reprimand and rather than do all that stuff, we had a little bit of a conversation. And then I said, look, like Aaliyah, what we've tried absolutely hasn't worked. I want you to tell me what you believe will help you and what consequences you think are right. And deserved for, for doing this. And that kind of started the conversation. And then how
0: old is Aaliyah? She's six and a half. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I said, you know, and then we're going to have a conversation. And then when mommy come home, the three of us are going to have a conversation and we're just going to figure out how we can, how we can help this. The ending was quite beautiful. Like how this whole thing shaped out, but I don't know if you want to hear that now or just go into like what you,
0: what my approach would be.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Okay. So there are two things that I would do. Number one is, so, or three things. There's always one more thing. Um, (laughs) Three things. So the first thing I would do is like, just take a moment to breathe for myself and like recalibrate and calm down. Because like when you see one kid hitting another kid, I can imagine your whole kind of immune system goes into some kind of a physical reaction, right? Like, okay, so number one is kind of just relax, calm down, take a breath. The second thing I would do is actually really give a lot of attention to my son. What's your son's name? Shia, Shia. So I would, I would really spend some time with Shia and I would actually coach him to say, okay, so here's what's happening. You know, how can you deal with this situation more effectively? My guess is that he lets her off the hook an awful lot mm. and that's not working for him. Yep. Right. So yep. letting her, so if someone out there in the street suddenly came up to you and hit you, would you play with them again tomorrow? You probably wouldn't. Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, because she's my sister and she's younger than me and my parents have taught me to love my sister and to be kind. So that's what I do. Except that those actions aren't really appropriate in this setting right now, right here. So he has to be responsible for, you could say, doling out the consequence to say, hey, Aliyah, I'm not playing with you because you're not being nice to me. You're hitting me and you're hurting me and I don't play with people who hurt me. Yeah, Period. And that's the coaching that needs to happen for Shia. Nice. Okay. So I don't think that Aaliyah can figure out her consequence. I think she has to experience a natural consequence and that is a very natural consequence that would happen in the world. If you're not nice to a friend, the friend stops being your friend. Yeah. Right. So that's part A. So he, and he has to take care of himself. He can't just stand there and let someone hit him. He has to say, hey, you can't hit me yeah. and walk away and stop the relationship for a period of time so that he's not only delivering a message, but absolutely taking care of himself and not exposing him, himself to that, what you call violence. Sure. Now, the second part would be now, how do we talk to Aaliyah? Aaliyah wants something. She's trying to achieve something. She has a goal. She doesn't know how to achieve her goal. And so her tactic is to hit. Yes, That's her strategy. But, that, but, and right now, by the way, that strategy has been effective because that strategy has not created a, a diminishing relationship with her brother. It's worked. Mm. And so what you want to do is a, make sure it stops working. And B, you want to say, Hey, if you want to get something from your brother, Here's the way to do it. Let me teach you. Let me coach you. Because this strategy is going to lead to this down the road. You can't go around hitting people. Here's why. They don't want to be your friends. Yeah. Like that's just not, and if you're older and you hit people, you can go to jail for that. Like yeah. just That just doesn't work. You can't do that. That is not allowed in the world. Right? So if you want something, I want to help you get what you want. So let's look at the things you want. And let me give you some strategies. Let's work together and build the strategies you can use to get what you want. If you're upset that, that Shia erased something, here's what you need to say. Let's talk about it. What are the three things you can say? Let her come up with some ideas too. But, but any time a kid acts out and does something like that, violence, temper tantrum, whatever, it's because they don't have the tools to express what they need and want. Yeah, They're stuck. And so rather than add to their frustration and reprimand and punish, right? Again, we're interfering with a natural outcome of events. What yeah. we want to do is say, hey, you have a goal. I'm on your team. I want you to have what you want. And this system that you're using isn't going to get you what you want. Here's what
1: will. Yeah.
0: So, and that comes from a very loving place. Yeah. That comes from a very kind place. But it also comes from a very, um, uh, your ideology is very uh, clear in this situation that hitting is really not allowed. Not here, not at school, not in the streets, not when you're older, not in society, because there are actual consequences for it. And the consequence now isn't that I'm gonna punish you, it's that your brother's not gonna wanna hang out with you. And that can hurt, right? And, And you want her to experience that real, true consequence.
1: Yeah. Hello, my favorite listener. That's you. I wanted to share with you some of the amazing results and breakthroughs your fellow Satorians are experiencing as we speak from being in the collective with us. So if you haven't heard about the collective or what you're missing out, check this out. So Amanda writes, a couple of years ago, I was destitute, living back with my parents at 36. I'd lost my job, was overcome with chronic illness and a strong victim mindset, and I was totally stuck. Through the influence of your training, I'm enjoying a much more fulfilling life. I've moved back home. Gotten a great job, taken control of my health, and even bought the car I've always wanted. I'm ready to go even further into my awakening and manifest the life I truly deserve. I couldn't be happier to be part of this tribe of amazing human beings. Robin said to us, Thank you. Since March, I've started meditating every day. I've lost 27 pounds. I've resigned from a job that I hated but stuck with because of the money. And I've already received three new job offers and even taken one of them that is paying more and I'm much happier. Plus, my relationship with my husband is flourishing too. Thank you. And Paul writes, after talking to my daughter, I now know that I feel relieved and much lighter because of it. Thank you again for everything. You guys have changed my life. I feel like I've come farther in the last few weeks than I have in the last few years. I'm so grateful for your help and support. I love you guys. Look, I know this podcast adds tremendous value to your life. My suggestion is head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and jump headfirst into the collective. After all, it's only a $9 a month investment. And you'll get access to Guy and I in a whole new way. You'll learn some of the most cutting-edge technology that we share with our best clients, but we can't really share here on the podcast. Imagine you and us interacting with each other live every two weeks for just $9. It's incredible, as you've seen before. So if you're wanting breakthrough results in your life quickly, head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and begin to deepen your journey as a Satorian today. We we tried versions of that before. Um, The thing that kept coming up is, and again, look, I mean, kids are, are very emotionally attuned. Right. And so adults, we have a lot more of these rules like this is good. This is bad. This will get me in trouble, et cetera. These are all things that these little beings are, are still kind of like coming to grips with. And when we try to go the route of kind of coaching logic, all that kind of stuff, um, we even share with her, like what's happening inside, like what's happening in the body, how the frustration and anger builds and like all that kind of stuff. And she had, it was interesting, like she had enough awareness, like she would hit and then she's like, Oh, this is what happened. And I was like, okay, well telling her what happened, like made zero difference. What was really interesting about this time when we actually had her work on the consequences, um, there was a consequence that kind of came up that she was an absolute no to like, she was like, no, no, not that, not that. Like, and we kind of knew that we there was something that she was really, really wanting. And this was like a big thing. And so um, we, the three of us agreed to, to something. Um, And basically like this sounds silly because it has nothing to really do with it, but um, she loves desserts. She loves baking. She loves all these different things. And we had friends coming over this weekend. And uh, one of the consequences was that she's not going to like, she can make this stuff, but she's not gonna be able to eat any of this stuff. And it was like, you know, she like freaked out. And so basically what ended up happening was like, this was on Tuesday. I think it happened. So we'd said, okay, listen, you have between now and Friday. Um, but if anything happens, like this is the consequence. So you've created the consequence. If anything happens, like this is what's going to, you're going to lose it for the weekend also. And I actually watched this little girl for the first time ever be in a situation and she would like go like this. And I could feel like all that anger come up and she would stop herself. And she was like, Oh, I'm not going to use violence like that. Like she actually had this, this enough awareness to do it, which is the first time I've ever seen it. And what was cool is I got to throughout that week, acknowledge her on her creating this new tool. I don't know, like, like something that she has where she can, find this inner control for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she was like super proud of herself and all this stuff. And and honestly, since that one moment, like it hasn't shown up now, granted it's been a week. So it's, you know, like it's not a long enough timeline. And I do like what you've added, especially from Shia's perspective to just give him the, the notion of like how he can actually m- morph this, because I think for him also in the real world, like he's a boy, right? So there are, chances that he's also going to get bullied at school by like other bigger boys and like knowing how to be in that environment here at home, I think would make a huge difference for him as well.
0: I remember when my daughter and son were younger, my son would tease my daughter and a lot of times he was just joking around, but she took it very badly, very, very badly. And, um, and so you know, what, you know, why is he being so mean to me? That was the line, Mm -hmm. right? And I would always take her aside and say, try to talk to her. And she's like, I don't understand why you're talking to me. Why don't you talk to him? He's the one who's committing the crime. Yeah. But over time, she started to understand this one key point. Hey, you don't have control over him. You have control over you. And every time you react, you're, you know, you're, you're actually feeding him. You're actually giving him what he wants. And so you need to control what you have control over, which is your own self, your own reaction, your own emotional state. And so when he's behaving that way to you, like remove yourself from the, from the experience. When you stay, you're actually rewarding him. Yep. And so it took a while for her to learn, but I was completely consistent with my messaging. And now like they're the greatest friends. But the thing is, not only did she learn it, she applies it everywhere yeah right like i don't have control over the way other people behave i have control over the way i behave over the way i react over the way i feel and i'm going to take as much control over that as i can yeah so it's it's very interesting we often want to we often react by going and saying, okay like what consequence that word is really important can we implement but i want to try to lean as much as possible on the most natural consequences there are so for example you know, one of my, my clients, his his son wasn't performing well in school. He's like, well, he needs some consequences. I need to take away his phone. I'm like, he's getting consequences. He's failing school. Why do you need to add? Why don't you, instead of adding consequences, talk about how to help him reach his goals? Yeah. Why don't we talk about that instead of adding another layer to his already feeling bad? Yeah. So let's allow life to unfold the way it does life provides a million natural consequences. Let's tune into those without yeah. having to create new ones that aren't always relevant.
1: Yeah, so it's a really good and I think a lot of people struggle with this, especially, you know, parents who value education and, and you know, work good students and all that stuff. They'll sometime their child is more adept at art or things like that. And it drives them bananas that (laughs) their kids are not good students because it just obviously like means something about them again. So in those cases, I love what you just said, which is like, get clear because you have a goal, right? About what you're wanting for your child, but you're not even clear about what your child is wanting from this whole experience. And I think that's a really, really powerful point. You
0: know, like as we said before, I have five kids, but one of my kids, uh, he's very unique, right? So I remember he was in, I think the second year of university and hating it. He was like mm-hmm. so miserable. And one day he came home and he just had a total and utter meltdown. Like he's failing in school. He hates the classes. The teachers are boring. He can't pay attention. It's like just brutal. And what am I doing here? And I said, well, hold on a minute. Why are you here? Like wh- who's making you stay? take this course of action. And his response at the time was like, you know, dad's going to be so mad. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, he's like, well, all my siblings are super successful and look at me. I'm like, yeah, let's look at you. You are going to have a super successful path and it might be different. And it doesn't mean you have to go to school to achieve those goals. You're going to have a unique path and that's okay. Like relax. Let's take a step back. If this isn't working, let's find something that does work for you. He ended up going to culinary arts school. And now he's working in one of the top restaurants in Canada. But at the time, someone needed to give him permission that said, you know, you don't have to follow this path. This is not the one and only path. It's yeah. okay to chart your course. No one's holding you hostage to this life that you're miserable in.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes
0: parents don't know how to do that they just don't know how to do that because they only see one road.
1: Yeah, it's uh you know th- there's something that I keep reminding people, my clients specifically all the time. It's like you don't have to do anything to receive my love or love from anyone. And it's a message that we as human beings did not receive, you know, like growing up. And it's not because exactly. our parents didn't love us, it's just they didn't they weren't emotionally attuned enough to give us that peace. And so hearing that story with you and your son, it's like, I know he grew up in an amazing household with both of you that absolutely love him and all that stuff. And it's like, look his first response. Like dad is going to be so disappointed in me. It's like, that's our connection always to the world. It's like, I have to show up this way to receive mom and dad's love and acceptance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my, my response was dad wants you to be happy. Yeah. And not only that, you're old now. It's time for you to make your own decisions. It's okay if dad isn't 100% happy with what you're choosing. But I want to go back to what you just said. And I think this is very, very important. And it's something that I mentioned uh, in my TED Talk. It's yeah. This whole idea that parents unconsciously build relationships with their kids when, where there's only harmony when the kids are behaving. Yes. Right? So what do we do? We reward them when they perform. And then we punish them when they don't. And we think we're doing the right thing. We think we're like, you know, being good parents. We we think we're doing the right thing, but we end up doing is we create a situation where kids are forced to either do what we want or deal with our disapproval. And that's really, really hard for them. It traps them and they get stuck. And then they end up having a struggle, an internal struggle, and they don't even know who they are and where they're going and what they truly want for themselves. They get lost in the mix and we're not doing it because we're bad parents. We do, we're doing it because we think we're doing the right thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. We build these conditional relationships with our kids and it just doesn't work.
1: We, again, we just, we weren't trained and we don't know better. And I think unless you're actively and I mean like actively pursuing transforming your abilities as a parent through time over and over and over and over and over again, it's just not, you know, the autopilot will always take over because it's just there and whatever was done to you, you're going to do to them in one way, shape or form, whatever was done to your parents, their grandparents, your grandparents, it's them. It's like the path just keeps going until a parent wakes up and goes, you know what? This isn't the most effective way to do this. Exactly. Like, I, I don't know if I share this with you, maybe on one of the calls, but when I taught Chaya to ride his bike, he was three, he may have been like three and a half. He was really young. And he, he'd been riding in the bike, like in our house with training wheels. And I was like, I feel like this kid could just go and ride a bike with no training wheels, but it was really young. Like none of his peers were doing it at the time. And immediately I was going to go outside and do the same thing that my dad did, which was like hold the seat and run behind them and doing all that stuff and then you know because i've done online marketing enough and things like that i was like i'm gonna check out youtube before i do this and (laughs) sure enough i watched a five minute video and in that five minute video they were like take the you know lower the seat all the way take the uh pedals off oh take the um training wheels off and bring them to a grassy like little hill and all they have to do is just lift their feet and find their balance once they do that a few times, then you put the pedals back on, but they've already found balance. So it's like, oh. now you've just added this other thing. And I was like, that's really smart. 45 minutes later, no joke. In 45 minutes, this kid was riding outside on the street.
0: I'm glad nope. we had this conversation. Now, I'm going to YouTube everything from now
1: on. Yeah. Who knew? So this is, <laughs> but like, this is what's so cool to me. It's like, yeah, I know how to do that. But just because I know a way to do that, that by no means says it's the best way to exactly.
0: do it. Exactly. That's a great example. And I think like
1: sure. for parents, it's, I know there's ways that I know to do things, but I'm clear that there's always other ways to do things. And I have my son who's one way and I have my daughter who's a complete other way. And like the things that come more naturally to me as a parent work really well with my son they don't work as well with my daughter. They actually create a lot more pain and trauma for her when I operate in kind of like that old school parenting way. Yes. So if I get authoritative, if I get loud, she just shuts down yep. fully. Yeah. Um, and so again, like I'm open to exploring yep. that there are other ways.
0: let let me tell you a quick story. Last night I was talking to my daughter. So she's 20 and she's in university. And so she's in university, not, not at home. So she's away at university. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, I was invited to this dinner party and I was going to call you to ask you if you think I should go. But then I realized I knew what you were going to say. So I just said, yes. (laughs) And I thought to myself, why am I even a factor in this equation? Why do you need to ask me? Just do what works for you. Like, don't, right? So 20 years old, and she still wants to consult with her mother. Now it's great. It's, it's a reflection of our relationship. But at the same time, I think to myself, you don't need to ask me, you don't need to me to chime in, you don't need my opinion. It's okay for you to choose one way or another. You're good. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting, because even when you think you're doing the right things all along the way, in the back of your mind, You still wonder, did I do the right things? Like, why is she asking me? Right? So you're always wondering if you did the right things. I think of myself as like a pretty good parent, maybe even better than that. But I know that I made a whole bunch of mistakes along the way too.
1: Absolutely. Right? Here's what I find to be super funny. It's we, we have a human mind, right? So the human mind can only see and process X amount of things at any given time. It doesn't matter how well intentioned, how much we've learned, how much we share, et cetera, that still in their world creates their own things that they get to work through. And, you know, you, you, you focus all your attention on, okay, I'm going to give them all of this. And in doing that, like, I'll give you an example. So certain parents who are uh, very diligent about their kids, like, being the uber smart, you know, I live around New York City, so, like, they call it gifted and talented. They start teaching these kids and hiring tutors for them when they're three years old. It's, like, bananas to me. Yeah. You know, one of my friends, like, they've done that, and now the repercussion is that the child is afraid to take chances or, like, learn new things because what he was taught is – I when you perfect. excel, yeah, when you excel and you're perfect, you get our love and acceptance. Now, exactly. look, they didn't do this consciously. They weren't like, this is what we're going to do. It's just, it was the best of intention. They want to give this child the best leg up, educational speaking, which is app. like, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. We're just not aware enough how that creates that exactly. or something else is going to always create some other thing. Yeah. They have to dance with in their lifetime.
0: Yeah. 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 But it's kind of like, you know what? You got to let your kid become who they're going to become. Yeah. And like lay off a little. Yeah. And honestly, that's the thing. So that's why I go back to like, for me, the foundation is as a parent, your job is to manage yourself. Yeah. Period. End of story. That's the most important task. That's the greatest gift you can give to your kids. And when you do that, Right? When you do that, then your kid has a chance. Like It's kind of like a flower that has the sunlight and the w- water and all the things they need. And you're creating the environment for them to grow into who they're supposed to become.
1: Yeah. I, um, so we started calling it parts work, but it, it's basically like – and Michael Singer, I think, uses a pretty good example of this. He just says it in a different way. But it's like life happens – And then internally something gets hit, like something, he calls it these like vials of disgusting smelling stuff that, you know, (laughs) you had a bad experience. You're like, I'm going to bottle it. I'm going to keep it in. Then it gets hit. It gets open and just feels really icky inside.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and so we started doing a lot of that work where, you know, pay attention to the stuff that's getting annoyed, sad, frustrated, whatever inside. For me, being a parent is the fastest way because these energetic beings, I, I believe, like came here knowing all of your shit, <laughs> all of these buttons, and they're like, "I'm going to open that one for you right now." Right. And we get really upset, and this is when we like get loud and reprimand them and like stop doing that. So, I had this. Uh, it was like a few weeks where it was the morning routine of getting young kids out of the house and then ready into the bus and blah, blah, blah. And it was good. And then we had this like two weeks where it was, I mean, Fanny and I would leave the house just irate. Like I couldn't wait. I was like throwing them on the bus.
0: Right.
1: And then after throwing them on the bus, I would get back in my car and get really upset and annoyed and frustrated with myself. It's like, I have this morning time with them. And instead of having this be a nice experience where we get to spend time, I was just pissed off and annoyed to the point where I was like, get on the fucking bus. I can't wait for you to get on this bus. Then I go through that whole thing. And what I started to, again, like I would go home and I would just bring the event into kind of my awareness and just notice what inside got triggered. Yeah. And something came through that was so interesting. And it's like, for me, not being heard. So, like when I say something, I'm like, hey, you know, did you da da da? da, da. Yeah. <clears throat> and then there's no response. Yeah. And then I say it again and there's no response. Then I yell it a little bit louder and then there's no response. And by the fourth time, they're like, what? You know, I realize that when that little boy inside doesn't feel heard, yeah. He gets really, really sad and really, really upset. Yeah. And at that point, I get louder and louder and louder. So when I started to realize that, I went okay. So really, what there is for me to do is just like you said, go internal. And it's not about them. It's about realizing that I'm uncomfortable, yeah, with not being heard. Yeah. But I can do that work internally. I don't need them to be a part of that at all. So I started doing that work, and I started healing that part. And whenever I felt that coming on, instead of getting louder, I would just go inside and give that little boy love. Right. And he would just, and he was just like oh, it's okay. It's safe. Right. And what (laughs) the profound thing that came out of it. So I'm doing this work. And like, I see this shift happen with them. And two days later, I have this thought that goes, I should actually ask them if when I repeat certain things, it's like, is it helpful to them? Or is it annoying to them? Because in my mind, when you're, when someone repeats something to me, like over and over and over, I'm like, get out of my face. Like, it's so annoying. Right. So I asked these little kids, I'm like, you know, is this helping? They were like, yeah, it helps a lot. And I was like, really? Like when I, when I, <laughs> would I remind you these things, this helps? And they're like, yeah, it helps a lot. And I was like, wow. And I just got to, because of that, letting go and then reframing that. It was all, it all came together and no joke. In a span of like three days, we went from both of us, like losing our mind to my wife coming up to me. She had no idea I was doing any of this work to so come up to me. She'd be like. The kids have been really different the last few days. I was like, it was yeah. amazing. That's what I mean. Like you don't need, kind of like you said, you don't need two to tango. Like you can right, exactly. do this work internally on yeah, your own. Yeah, for
0: sure. For sure. And, and I mean, you discovered that when someone doesn't listen, when you're not heard, that hurts, that bothers you, that affects you. And for other people, it's like when my kid isn't on time and on the bus on time, where mm-hmm. they have to show up late. That kills me because that means that I'm not diligent. I'm not responsible and yep. that I can't stand that. And that's why, you know, when it's time to go in the morning, I'm so adamant about them being on time, being on the bus. Totally. Right. And
1: that so, like not yeah. dressed well, you know, not dressed prop, not well yeah. properly. Yeah. Uh, mismatched colors and clothes. Exactly. Getting, getting certain grades, like all of these things, it has nothing to do with them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, I'm even noticing for me, you know, I was not, I had to work really hard at school. Like I got good grades and I was kind of in upper, you know, part of class, but I had to work really, really hard for grades. Yeah. Um, My wife, on the other hand, got straight A's all through school. I think the first time she got a B, she like cried. Um, And it came very easy to her. Like she yeah. didn't really have to work super hard. Yeah. And I'm noticing even from our different perspectives around school,
0: yeah.
1: how she brings to the party, especially with our kids, like being organized, getting good grades, preparing, like doing all these things, which for me, I'm like, listen, I don't know what kind of students they're going to be. Like they get to figure that out. I can yeah. help them learn to learn. So it makes life easier, but it's even that is interesting to just note, like how much program she has, how, how different my programs are, what upsets me, what upsets her, things like that.
0: Yeah, it's true. We're all triggered in different ways. And those triggers really tap into our values, our upbringing, our vision of ourselves and on and on and on. And so, yeah, most of parenting is really not even about the kid, right? It's just about us.
1: Is there a way, I I don't know why this came through, but is there a way, I don't know, the word that came through is like to take stock, almost like to kind of like take a step back and look at like what, what are these strongly held beliefs that I have about what my kid has to do, quote unquote, for me to feel good?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So I recommend two things. So number one is exactly what you did, is like when I feel emotionally triggered, kind of stop and say, what actually triggered me? So your emotions are your GPS that say, hey, I'm thinking about this thing in a way that doesn't serve me, that doesn't align with my deepest desires. So what's up with that? When I feel that friction, that frustration, that anger, that impatience, whatever, that's an indicator that there's something going on that isn't um, really lining up with where you want to be going. So that's number one. But number two is, you know we ask our clients to journal. So journaling is a huge part of what we do. And so I encourage people to journal, but as they're journaling, ask themselves some critical questions. So one question that you might want to ask yourself is, what do I actually expect for my kids? Yeah, what do I expect of them and for them? What do I want? And then pay attention to how much is your stuff? Right?
1: And how it's much all your theirs. stuff. <laughs>
0: I mean, for me, I want my kids, I want my kids to be happy, healthy, safe, you know, in great relationships and on and on and on. Like I want certain things for them. And even those things where you say, okay, those are good things. They're still my things. Totally. Still my things.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's, that's the part that I think. And you, I watch a lot of nature shows, for example, you know, you watch any animal out in the wild, like a mom out in the wild antelope being attacked by lions, uh, you know, uh, this being attacked by crocodile. Like, there's an innate animal instinct that every parent has, I believe every parent has, um, to protect yeah. our children. Yeah, And and we're you're never going to turn that off. Like, I mean, you have older kids. It doesn't turn off, you it know, the, the concerns off. and worries and all the things that you want. Like, it's always there.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just, um, for me, it's that fine line of like, knowing that and then realizing like they're here to have their own experience. Yeah. So to let them go with like a long enough leash type of thing, but still in some way, shape or form, hold a container that is safe. That's the part that like, for me, is that dance of just back and forth and back and forth. And so
0: back. I, I'll throw something in something yeah. that I know for me is really, really critical. Like that one thing when you're talking about when I'm not heard, right. That really yeah. triggers you for me the single most important thing is that I have a good relationship with my kids. Yeah. So I don't care, you know, what they're doing. I don't care what messes they're into. I don't care who they're in relationships with, but if my relationship with them is not good, then I'm a disaster. Like it's a, it's Mm. terrible for me. It's a mess. So even last night I was talking to my son. This is the one who's now he's living in Montreal and working for this amazing restaurant he's busy. He works late hours. He's tired. He doesn't have time for himself. And so I don't talk to him enough. And I said to him, listen, I said, I get it. You're busy and you have things to do and you don't have time for long conversations, but you, I need you. I need you to check in. Even if all you do is send me a text message that says, hi, I'm still good. You know, I'm good thinking of you. I'm good. Everything's fine. That's fine with me, but that's still my stuff. Totally. And is it okay to have stuff? Is it okay to say, "Hey, in this relationship, there's one thing that will make my life a whole lot easier"? I'm not sure if that's okay, to be honest, but yeah. I do it anyways.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's exactly the point. It's like it. There's always going to be our stuff.
0: And, yeah. And
1: I think just knowing that it's your stuff, I think we all have the ability to request our needs and wants and desires. Yeah you, you always get to say that. And there's another part that gets to receive that request and choose what they're going to do or not going to do. And that doesn't mean anything personally. I can tell you like for me and my dad, his ongoing always story is that we don't call him enough. Like Uh we don't talk enough and it doesn't matter like how many times we do it. It's just a persistent type of complaint. That's always there. Um, And I've had multiple conversations with them. And what I find is that like whenever someone is feels forced into doing something, there's automatically going to be resistance. That's not going to happen where there's an openness and like a space of love. It's like when I felt like I had to, I didn't want to. Yeah. But now if I feel like when we get on and it's loving and it's open and it just gets to flow and there's no like, Oh, when was the last time I called? But like no guilt. Yeah. It felt good to call. And yeah. so we had that great interaction. And then yeah. I leave that conversation being like, wow, that was a great interaction. Yeah. And then I'm like, I want that again. Yeah. Versus yeah. I have to. And, and I just yeah. know that for me. So now also with kids, it's like, okay, how do we do that? How do we do that?
0: Yeah. It, it's hard not to inflict guilt on our kids, especially, especially when we were bred to do that. Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Russian <laughs> Jewish parents.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Within our DNA, it's hard to divorce ourselves from
1: that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I find it's interesting because like my wife obviously follows her mom's tendencies, I follow my dad's tendencies. But we when we catch the other doing it in a in a loving, like almost comedic manner, we'll like point it out to each other. Yes. And if, I mean, for us, it's really helpful.
0: Yeah.
1: Um yeah. to see that. Cause I don't think not that we think our parents are bad in any way, shape, or form. It's just I think we're committed to bringing something different to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when we see that, we're like from the sideline, could be like, "Whoa!" But it's hard to see in ourselves.
0: Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Like yeah. one thing I learned from my mother, and I learned it early on, and it was her attitude about kids. And she said, "This: your kids are visitors in your home. Mm. Like, it's all gonna go. It's all gonna go. Like treat your visitors with the greatest respect, the greatest warmth, the greatest love, because there, it's all." fleeting.
1: Right. I love that.
0: Yeah. I love that are uh, visitors in
1: your home, you know, and something that I think you're probably learning now is uh, we've, we've shifted our relationship with my parents. When we were about, I was maybe like 23 ish, 24 guy was probably like 21. We had this really amazing conversation where we let them know that their job as our parents was complete. Like we're happy, we're successful, we're healthy. We're loving our life. Like, you did an unbelievable job. Like, you don't have to worry about us anymore. And their friends were sitting in the audience when we had this conversation. And, like, that moment shifted our relationship. We stopped being their kids in a traditional sense where they like micromanage and have to do everything. Yeah. And we actually became life partners. Like, my parents come to us for advice. Wow just as much as we go to them for advice, and at times even more. And when they tell their friends that they came to us, at, like their friends cannot comprehend. Like, why would you ask your kids for advice, right, right. you know? But it really, like we were committed to shifting our relationship yeah. into kind of this like next stage yeah. of it. So
0: you, re- you release them. Yeah. And, and there's a piece of me that feels like you also, it was like a, a job dismissal. but well, let's call it a release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it really is. Yeah. I
0: like, yeah, I like that. You're word. free
1: now. And yeah. and it and it really shifted everything for us. And and I'm I'm so proud of like the relationship that yeah. we now have. It's it's astounding to me. I, I mean, look, there will forever be my parents, but I can honestly say they're like friends that I love to hang out with.
0: Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Um, which I know for most kids is absolutely not the case. You know, like you walk into mom or dad's house and you just feel like that little kid that was in that same house. Exactly. But that has nothing to do with the house. That just has to do with the energy of the relationship, the relationship,
0: because it's been that way for so many years. You just step into those old roles.
1: That's it. I always tell people you want to know how spiritually far you've come. Go live at home for a week. There you go. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Kim, as always, super amazing conversations um i'm excited to see where this ted talk takes you and yeah
0: i'll, you I'll let you share.
1: know yeah and uh where can people find out more about uh connecting with you
0: so come to frame of there's all kinds of content there videos articles uh podcasts too uh and so come and visit us and on that website is also an invitation to experience the frame of mind coaching style, the approach to coaching, which is, I would say, significantly different than the average coaching experience. So check us out, try it out. And we know that that conversation will really wake you up and help you see things you've never seen before. So frameofmindcoaching.com.
1: Awesome. Kim, always an absolute pleasure sending you so much love.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's a great opportunity. And I just, I just like talking to you. That's what it boils down to
1: same. Exactly. That's why when you reached out, I was like, yeah, let's do this again. Amazing. Thank you. We'll see All right.
0: you again
1: in a year. <laughs> I was going to say till next time. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone, have an amazing day. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just 9 dollars a month again satori prime.com forward slash the collective and as always we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show so if you head to itunes and leave us a review right now you could actually be next week's lucky winner and lastly if you do want to connect with guy and i head to facebook right now join our personal development without the fluff private group ask for permission there's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.